Hey, we're going live. Blog Talk Radio. Did not 
carry. Uh, I had planned well, on it, but uh, the basketball uh, situation, I was uh, at Wallace State from Wednesday night uh, through uh, late Saturday night, and then, of course, went back and was there Monday, Tuesday, left late yesterday. Uh, I uh, was very, very tired and fatigued. wasn't able to make it on the Sunday, but I did follow the game very closely. Obviously, Nick Eicholtz was tremendous uh, as he had a, an excellent uh, uh, fall and uh, early in uh, when uh, the practice recranked in the spring, he went six plus innings. And I think the, the biggest thing to take away from the situation was the bullpen. Uh, Matt Foster, the new reliever from Gulf Coast Community College, was very solid in his two appearances. And of course, Thomas Burroughs, they get he had a, a two inning save on Sunday, but they beat a very good uh, program. Two out of three had Aaron Suttles on the show to talk about it a little bit on Monday and. He was at all three games, and I think there's a lot of good young talent on the team. Obviously, uh, you know, the, the narrative and the storyline is going to be that Mitch Gaspard and his group need to win, and they do. And baseball is a marathon, not a sprint, but it's good to get off to a good start. Nickel State is usually a very solid mid-major program in Louisiana. They handled them with ease, and I think uh, the uh, the biggest thing you take away from it, they're still trying to you know find a leadoff guy. Keith Holcomb has received a couple of opportunities early, early, and 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 that's surprising only from the standpoint that he's only been out there about four weeks, and he's not someone that's ever. And he told me this when he was coming up through high school, even though he had major league uh, scout interest, he'd never really worked on baseball. He'd just done it off talent. He, he was always more of a football guy, uh, but he's obviously someone with a lot of tools. He did a good job getting on base yesterday, and you know, winning thirteen to one, uh, and then the just the infusion with a with Chandler Taylor, who we heard about uh, coming up coming into the season. He has lived up to the hype. Kobe Vance as well, and and one other thing that I've taken uh, into account of it too, and it's good that he came over from the dark side of the force. Uh, but uh, Connor Short has been impressive as well. He has, and. I had thought at the uh, outset of the season that he'd be the third baseman. Uh, opening night, which I attended this past Friday, uh, he played. He well, he he. Uh, I think he only pinched hit that night. But uh, they've since played him a little bit more at third, his natural position. Talking about Connor Short, former Auburn third baseman, and former Hoover quarterback, and they've since moved uh, moved Chance over uh, to first, which you know. It's what he played last year, although he can play third. Uh, Chance is a good overall player. But, you know, you mentioned it, but it bears repeating. Uh, Chandler Taylor, his first at bat ever in Tuscaloosa in a real game. I was there Friday night. It was quite dramatic, Drew. He blasted one out into the right field Rangers section, and uh, it was one of those line drive homers that didn't get a chance to be majestic. But, Lord, he ripped the cover off the ball. And uh, I know it's corny and all that, and it's often used and too often used, but I've already started calling him the natural. Because, you know, like the character played by Robert Redford in the movie, uh, Chandler Taylor is a left-handed hitter. He is an outfielder. He can play first base, but right now he's doing just fine and right. And he and Kobe Vance both uh, are, are batting right around 500. And uh, Kobe had a home run uh, in, in one of the other games over the weekend against Maryland. Uh, I believe it was. Sunday and, and Kobe Vance is all of about five eight Drew, but he's a little fire plug and he's a pretty good defensive second baseman. Uh, you know this team, I, I was hoping they'd get two out of three against Maryland. I thought that was the ceiling for that series. They did, but then they absolutely pummeled Nichols last night. And so you know, so far so good. 
they're hosting South Dakota State Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and, and, and that's a team that actually has some pretty good players. Uh, they're not to be overlooked. I would not be unhappy if Alabama took two out of three from them. They act, that, that's the minimum. You'd like to sweep them, but they're actually a pretty decent program. And so, you know, uh, the RPI and the strength of schedule is going to get some, some good infusion here early in the season. And uh, I just, you know, I only sat through one entire game, which was Friday night. But so far, I really have liked what I've seen. And I know four games, you can't really get a big picture. But there's no question that what you said is true, Drew. The talent, especially the young talent, is there. It is. And uh, and I, I just wanted to make a small correction. It's actually North Dakota that they're playing. But North Dakota um, is, uh, is, 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 took two out of three from Southern Cal. You're correct there, Kerry. Um, and it's going to be another stiff test for Alabama. Uh, it's something that, you know, it, we've learned in baseball just because you look at what happened to Auburn. Uh, they won 10 to 5 impressively, but then lost 6 5 and 7 6 in the next two games to Sacramento State. And in college baseball, especially when you're playing teams uh, from the West Coast and, and even some day, I know this is North Dakota, but it, you can't really worry about what's on the front of the jersey. You just have to go out and play uh, because if they've got a re- one really good pitcher or if they've got a couple of good hitters, if you have an off night, anything can happen in, in college baseball. So, you know, you'd like to see Alabama sweep North Dakota, but I think if they can come out and get two out of three again. In baseball, what the mantra always is win series. And if you win series and – and do a good job in your and win seventy five to eighty percent of your midweek games is going to set you up really well. And I got to give Mitch Gaspard and the staff a lot of credit for one thing: uh, when you go out and you look at it, and he, and it's and it was you know gutsy to do considering uh, losing Mikey White, Kyle Overstreet, obviously, uh, and then the, uh, and then the and then the, the right fielder who his name escapes me right now uh, who uh, ended up. Uh, the third round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Casey Houston. Yeah, Houston. I knew I was I knew remembered Casey. I was having a hard time remembering the last name. Yes, Casey Houston, uh, obviously from Mo, the Mobile area, Baker High School. When you lose those three guys, uh and you you know, you're kinda of having to rebuild your lineup, it's it's kinda of gutty to go out and uh and play a, a a tough schedule like they're doing, but you know, they're gonna they're doing that. Uh they're playing uh, it's really when I've looked at it it's probably as difficult an early schedule, probably since some of Wells' Zenith's uh, years when uh, they had a really good team and they felt really good about the program. And I think, obviously, they know that they need to make a regional and really have success in said regional. But to do that and uh, to ensure, even with as tough as the SEC is, not playing Vanderbilt this year, uh, but still you have you know the SEC is going to be the toughest league in America probably in a meat grinder. You still want to play enough uh, good teams in the preseason to know where your team stands. And Alabama is going to play, you know, now North Dakota three. Then they're going to go to Troy, uh, and that's never easy. They have a good mid-major program, though. Bobby Pierce is now retired, and his assistant has taken over there. And then they're going to carry North Carolina uh, to, you know, where the Olympics, uh, where they train for the Olympics. And that's not going to be easy either because you take on Notre Dame, uh, then Niagara, then NC State, who, of course, will have a lot of fans there being nearby, and then Brown University. So four tough games in Cary, North Carolina, uh, after they uh, face North Dakota and then Troy. And then you return home for uh, to Tuscaloosa 
to end your pre-conference. And you, you have, uh, luckily, uh, four straight games at home, but you have the Oregon Ducks coming in, uh, who whose head coach uh, is uh, used to be the uh, head baseball coach at, at Cal State Fullerton and followed a legend uh, in, in Augie Garrido and continued to win. And you face those guys, and then you get Houston for three in a row, which is always – a, uh, just a couple of years ago, put LSU out in a super regional and went to Omaha. So Houston's a really good uh, mid-major program, and really not a mid-major program, really more, even though they're not in the Power 5 league, they're a very fine program. And then you play uh, Southern Miss as well. So before uh, a team called LSU comes to town, or actually uh, starts off the uh, the SEC part of the schedule with a, on the road for three. So not an easy schedule for Alabama, but a very encouraging beginning. And I, uh, I'm anxious to see how this team develops. I really think Colts and Bramlett are going to be strong as starters. Uh, a little bit concerning about Walters. I'm going to be interested to see how he pitches this weekend. I'm still of the belief, once his arm continues to get stronger, uh, that you could see Keller back in the rotation. Well, I think that's very possible. Um, and, you know, again, it, the season is young. They're 3-1 they're and one now. Uh, they're, they're playing – like you said, a pretty, pretty tough uh, preseason schedule, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see how it shakes out. But uh, early on, uh, I really like what I see. And if you have not seen, if you're listening to this show, and you have not seen the new Joe, and you know the, uh, you, it's not a remodel, it's not a renovation, it's a new stadium that simply was was built on, a, you know, the same location, but. Uh, you know, you talked about LSU, Drew. It's funny that you mentioned that. I was uh, driving back from Montgomery last night where I had scouted a high school player. Uh, we'll get into that more when we get Luke on, uh, a basketball player. And I'm listening to WWL because that's one of the AM stations you can pick up pretty much anywhere. And I did not know that T-Bob Bear was a talk show host at night there now. <laughs> he is. I mean, his dad's had a show for a while, but now T-Bob has one. It's not really a sports show. It's like a regular talk show. But they kept giving updates on, on the LSU baseball game against Lamar, and they lost to Lamar at home last night, 12-11. to 11. Uh, But LSU re- rebounded, and it uh, uh, looks like they beat somebody 6-5 today on a walk-off, unless that's an old highlight, I'm not even sure. But they lost last night to uh, Lamar, Cincinnati, and LSU. I don't know why. That's just something the SEC Network put up. I think that's old. It is old. That's, that's from five days ago. So their most recent game, they lost to Lamar, uh, 12 to 11. So, you know, it can happen to anybody on any given night. Now, LSU's got a pretty good team. Obviously, they always do. Great facilities. But they do have to come here. Uh, but anybody listening? Well, no, actually, they we have they have to go to Breadstick, unfortunately. Oh, is it Breadstick? Okay. Yeah, they're, well, yeah that's what I was tough. saying. That was my mistake. I corrected. I said, uh, I'm sorry that they uh, you have to go to LSU. And, and Coach Maneri, they've got a young team. Uh, you know, they've uh, they've they've uh, they lost, I think, the only returning uh, hitter in their lineup, I think, is their DH, and it, uh, they so they really they from what I understand from Coach Maneri, eight of their nine are gone in the lineup. He's got one of the youngest teams in college baseball, but they have a very strong pitching staff. They feel good about that, and they're a top five team nationally, and they'll figure it out. I mean, Coach Maneri, uh, they finally found someone to fill the shoes of Skip Bertman and uh, make them a strong program, and. Uh, it will be interesting because uh, Alabama will have a chance to make a statement on the road uh, early, uh, and we will find out how good they are. I'm anxious to see how they do against uh, North Dakota. I was just reading up on some of the notes, and in the first matchup, you know, Zach Muckerham 
or Muckingham, excuse me, uh, is a left-hander for them for North Dakota, and he threw a three-hit shutout and beat Southern Cal the first night. So uh, that's going to be another challenge for Bramlett. He rose to the occasion against the first-rounder from Maryland. I don't want to butcher his name, but he, he did a very good job against him, uh, against that big righty, and and uh, and, I, and I was proud to see that Bramlett stepped up to the to the uh, to, to the to plate literally, and and it was good to see Alabama jump out one to nothing, uh, and Taylor, you know, take the guy deep, and then they found a way to manufacture some other runs and make it stick, and I think that set the tone for the rest of the weekend. They didn't play as well on Saturday; they still scored five runs, but I think overall. Um, the one thing I was also encouraged about, Kerry, was I know I think Coach Gaspard has been concerned about the defense, but it seemed like they played pretty good defense for the three games. I think for the most part they did. Uh, you know, Chance Vincent at first is who I would prefer over there with Connor Short at third. But they've tried some other guys there. Uh, I think that uh, Henry is much better as a D8, and he's not a bad first baseman. He's come a long way since last year. But uh, talking about LSU, they're they're hosting Sacramento State this weekend, and that's uh, right. a team that that's exactly. a team that went into Auburn and took two out of three. Took two out of three against Butch Thompson and those guys, and Auburn. You know, the amazing part was he was the anomaly in that series, and I broke it down on my show with uh, Brian Matthews. But uh, Auburn made seven errors and won the first game ten to five, then didn't make an error in games two and three and lost seven six and six five. So that just shows how weird baseball can be. Um, but I just overall, uh, Butch Thompson will do a good job at Auburn. I'm sure they're going to have a good team, but uh, you can't get uh, so torn up about losing to Sac State and losing two games because, again, a lot of these programs, college baseball, in a lot of ways, has even more parity than college basketball. And uh, it's really don't don't forget. I still never forget one of the best teams I ever saw at Alabama, 2002. They lost in a super regional. Uh, never would have thought, or excuse me, not in the supers, but in the uh, in the uh, in the regionals, hosting a regional against Florida Atlantic, and you don't ever really see that, but it, it can happen. And that was in a in a regional that lasted several days. But a lot of these teams are very talented, and uh, anything can happen on a given day. Yep. And uh, we're going to go ahead now and bring on to the Asian Rim Hotline our first guest of the evening. Uh, we were talking baseball, uh, but now we're going to swap over to some hoops and uh, maybe some other stuff, too. And uh, we, we're so glad to have him, Alan. Drew, I'll let you introduce him. Absolutely. Uh, he does a podcast weekly, Talking Tuscaloosa, uh, with a, a good friend of ours, Jimmy Stein. And he's somebody right now that's like me, seen a lot of high school basketball, I'm sure, the last several days. And We'll be front and center at the Final Four in Birmingham next week. I look forward to making some of that action. Should see some great young talent. Now, we uh, we were hoping to see Herb Jones. He did not make it from Hale County. Uh, they dropped the regional championship game uh, to a very talented midfield squad, but I believe that, that's not, uh, that, that wasn't a super surprise. Midfield is traditionally one of the better programs in the state of Alabama, but there will be several big-time players on that stage, including John Petty, and the Johnson Jags, who escaped uh, the Aniston Bulldogs 45-43. But Luke Robinson is on the uh, Asian Rim Hotline with us. Luke, how are you doing tonight, sir? Hey, guys. How are y'all? Doing well, Luke. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm actually in Houston, Texas. I'm I'm doing pretty well tonight. I'm just uh, waiting for my <laughs> flight tomorrow. There you go, bud. And uh, we, we were just talking a little bit of hoops and – 
it's amazing, kind of, uh, you know, Alabama now on a two-game losing streak. But, of course, the result in uh, in Lexington wasn't surprising, considering Kentucky, in my opinion, is the best team in the league and the most talented. Uh, Alabama, you know, is a bad – that's a bad matchup for the Tide. Both games did not turn out well. Uh, of course, everyone was disappointed in the results against Mississippi State. Uh, it was the first time, and I think Avery Johnson put it succinctly when he said that the, the team didn't play with as much hunger as it had been. I think there was a little bit of being somewhat satisfied and somewhat emotionally drained after the two road wins over Florida and LSU. But with the changing landscape almost daily with the bubble and the NCAA tournament, if Alabama can find a way – I think if they win all three of these last three regular season games, they're in. But if they win a couple and can do some damage in the SEC tournament, I still think they have a good shot. Luke, what is your take on where the team stands right now? Um, I feel like in most bracketologists' brackets, they will be in for the moment. Um, and I feel like they, they, they need to win these next two at home. There's no doubt about that. You lose either one of those and you're skating on really thin ice, and you're probably outside the rink, to be honest with you. But um, if if they can win, say, these next two – if they can win these next three, I think you can do just about whatever you want in the tournament. Um, but if they win uh, two of these next three, losing only to Georgia, and then win a game in the tournament, I, I would feel good about it. Uh, they, they've done a lot. They've played a tough schedule. They've got some really quality wins. I know a lot of them came early in the season, but they still count. And everything that I've heard so far, the reaction to the two losses hasn't been that bad. Uh, a lot of people saw it coming. For instance, the Mississippi State game. Um, this is an Alabama team that, first of all, is not incredibly deep. They may play a lot of players some nights, but I wouldn't consider it quality depth Alabama has. And so they were tired. They come home. They play a Mississippi State team that just – happened to get hot at the right time. I mean, this is a Mississippi State team that gave A&M all they wanted in College Station last night. And I suspect you will see Mississippi State take a step back. Okay, and then Alabama has to play Kentucky. Has anybody else in the conference had to play Kentucky? Kentucky lost both previous games before they played? I doubt it. And, And that's just bad luck. That's luck of the draw. And not only that, Alabama had to play Kentucky on short weeks both times. So that's another thing. There was just bad luck. And um, unfortunately, Alabama was a recipient of that bad luck, but they got good luck on the schedule on the backside because you play an Auburn team. And I think I'm, – I'm not saying this as a homer. It's going to sound very homerish, but I think Alabama blows Auburn out Saturday. The ODK trophy, um, the extra day of rest, the second win to get your tournament run going – all those things come into play, and I think Alabama destroys Auburn Saturday. Then you play an Arkansas team, which, frankly, is just – you don't even know what they are. I mean, they, yeah, they beat LSU the other night, but LSU, you don't know what they are. And then you go on the road to play a Georgia team that happened to lose at Auburn without Kareem Canty, without Tyler Harris. They're just not – they're not a, a good team either, so Alabama can win that game. I thought the other night the it, it was very um, – foreboding that the the issue with the three-pointers, okay? I think Riley Norris airballing that first three-pointer that he took was a bad symbol for what was coming up the rest of the evening. And if you look at the stats, Alabama took, what, 33 three-pointers against LSU or something 
crazy like that, and they made 11 of them, I think. And against Kentucky, they only took 15 three-pointers. And this is not a team that has a strong inside presence. You have to shoot threes, and Alabama didn't make very many of those three-point opportunities. But I think airballing that three early probably took away confidence. Kerry, you guys have both probably been to Rupp Arena. It is probably the most intimidating place bar none by a long shot in the SEC. And if you airball one early, what's going to happen is the crowd's going to get on you, and it's just human nature, especially if you're not a player uh, that is a superstar. It's just human nature to want to kind of recoil a little bit. And I think that's exactly what happened to all the players. Well, look, I'll tell you this. I And I hate to be a pessimist, but I thought before the season, there, with based upon the roster talent and looking at Kentucky, I, I was just more angry and or just lamenting the fact that Alabama would have to play Kentucky twice. I mean, you know, I would have much rather yeah. seen them play Ole Miss twice. I think they could have got Ole Miss at home after narrowly losing the one in Oxford, Mississippi. It would have been a much better situation. But they had to play a Kentucky twice. Uh, they took yeah. two on the chin. Uh, Mississippi State bothered me. I'm not going to lie. I almost broke my laptop watching it in the at the regional tournament at Wallace because I knew they should have won that game, but they just were kind of flat, and it happened. Sometimes it's only the second you know, home loss of the year. But I'm like you. I'm expecting a very energetic team against Auburn. Uh, to Auburn's credit, i got to give them you know, a lot. They've won two of their last three, including at Arkansas. They did find a way to beat Georgia uh, last night. But really, as you said, the ODK trophy, uh, what's at stake for Alabama? They know they still have a shot at the postseason. They, you have to win this game. And then with Arkansas coming to Coleman on the uh, on the March the second, uh, that's going to be big because of Retno Bassahan's last game, uh, and right. hopefully in Coleman Coliseum. Hopefully, you know you don't you avoid the NIT, but it will be his last regular season game. That should be a juiced up environment, even though it's going to be an 8 p.m. tip off. And I, I just really think. And then when you look at Georgia and you look at their schedule, uh, they did lose to Auburn. Now they host Ole Miss, but that's going to be a dogfight. And then they have to go to South Carolina, which is probably a loss. They Their season may be all but over when they play Alabama. And, and in a way, I'd like that to be the case. Though if Alabama loses the game, it's going to be damaging. That's why I'm in the opinion that they need to win all three of those games. They need to find a way to beat three inferior opponents. And then, you know, if, and then it would be good. I don't think they'd need to win one in the SEC tournament, but I think it would be nice to win one game. But we'll see. But I really think if they drop the game to Georgia, they may have to win two in Nashville. Yeah, certainly to be safe, you're better off uh, winning all the games in the regular season that are left. There's no doubt about it. Georgia's not a good team. I think Georgia actually hurt Alabama by losing to Auburn last night. Yeah, that's a good point, Luke. And so, but, you know, in the end, it probably came down to that anyway, unless Alabama gets some really unbelievable wins. Here's the thing, though. There's nobody out there that is setting the world on fire. I mean, there's a bunch of crap across the college basketball landscape right now. I mean, it's it's been kind of hard to watch, hasn't it? I mean, a lot of people like not knowing, uh, oh, my gosh, I love the fact that there are 12 to 15 teams that I think could – win it all. I'm the opposite, okay? I don't (laughs) want George Mason in there. I don't want to see George Mason 
an 11 seed, an 8 seed, a 6 seed, and a 2 seed. That's not a fun Final Four to me. I, I went to the Final Four in 1992, and it was the Fab Five at Michigan in their freshman year. Duke with Good Hurley year. and Leitner, um, Indiana with Bobby Knight, and Cincinnati coached by Bob Huggett. And that was just an absolute blast. I had, had a lot of fun. I don't want to see a, a bunch of uh, 11 seeds. I just I, – Cinderella is only fun – if she almost wins. When she wins, it takes a little bit of the edge off the whole tournament to me. So I, I, I don't want to see Butler. I don't want to see, uh, you know, Pittsburgh. I, I, it, to take it a step further, if I were anybody but an Alabama fan, I wouldn't want to see Alabama. I'm going to cheer for Alabama every single game they play in the tournament. But if other people are, are wondering or hoping that Alabama doesn't make it very far – because they want to see the the upper crust get there. I I totally get that. Um, But this year is so up in the air, and the conference is so weird. You look at LSU, only Johnny Jones, only Johnny Jones could lead that team to the NIT. It has been amazing to watch a team with Ben Simmons who – guys, I I know you probably don't watch LSU every night, and I don't either – but when I watch LSU play, he's so clearly better than everybody else on the court, and everything comes so easily for him. I mean, he's the—he's smooth, he's uh, talented, he's unselfish, maybe even almost too unselfish, and he's got some other guys around him that are NBA players. And somehow, some way, Johnny Jones has made it where they won't make the tournament, and that's unbelievable to me. It's darn near unforgivable if you're LSU. Well, and I'll, and one of my favorite things to watch in last year's NCAA tournament because you had to watch one team out choke the other one was watching Mark Godfrey and NC State coach against uh, Johnny Jones and LSU, and they're like mirror images of one another. Both can recruit and can't coach their way out of wet paper bags, and it's just it's amazing. You're, you're right. I had a we I had a Chad Laborde from the Louisiana State Roar on my show today on Talking Ball, and we were asking if Johnny Jones would survive. He thinks he will one yeah. more year, but with this, with the way this team is finishing, it's in, it's it's really embarrassing. I know having Horns be injured and now look likely out for the rest of the year is definitely not helping their cause, but there's still so much talent on that team. You look at Craig Victor, you look at uh, Ben Simmons, you look at the uh, you look at all those guys, all the perimeter guys that they have on their team. Quarterman, that should be an NCAA tournament lock team, and now they've gone in, in two weeks from leading the conference to likely missing the tournament. But Vanderbilt now. Is, is trying to surge, and they'll have the bet most opportunities because they have a tough schedule if they can find a way. Like if they beat Kentucky Saturday, there'll be people uh, all over Vanderbilt. But Alabama, oh, yeah. Luke, I, to me, though, it's amazing that we're even having this conversation about Alabama because I'm not going to lie. I'm a huge Alabama basketball fan. Everybody knows that. I follow the program, the ins and outs, and the recruiting. But I never thought, to be honest, even before the injury to Ingram, this team would have a chance at the NCAA tournament. And to think that they do without him for much of the season is mind-boggling. No, oh, it really is. And here's another thing that I think people probably undersell this. But, you know, the committee is made up of human beings who have a heart and have a soul and, and they believe in um, good stories. And right now, Avery Johnson is just a good story. He's, I'll tell you, I was listen, I'm driving around Houston today. I'm listening to the Dan Patrick show, and hmm. they bring up Avery Johnson, not about Alabama. They talk about – they had Dirk Nowitzki on to talk about uh, his career, et cetera, et cetera. 
And apparently, back in the day, Dan Patrick and Dirk Nowitzki had a some kind of one-on-one, just messing around. And then Avery Johnson joined in when he was coaching the Mavs and actually uh, beat Dan Patrick in a game of horse. And they talked about it for, you know, a good five minutes. And it was just nothing but five minutes of how much fun Avery Johnson is. And I think that's he is infectious. People love to talk about him. And he's just a good guy. And I, I think the committee is going to recognize things like that. So in the end, if it's a tie, and Alabama and Pittsburgh are both on the fence together. I think Pittsburgh lost last night at home to Louisville. So if they're on the fence together, you know, maybe something like that is what helps get the committee's favor. Uh, you never know what's going on through the committee's mind because if you've ever followed college basketball, you know it's very difficult to think like they do. I, I remember, was it 2001, 2000, or maybe 2000 when Alabama was had a 21-win season? And and Georgia mm-hmm. was sixteen and thirteen, and they choose Georgia over Alabama. And I mean, so maybe we get the beneficiary of that type of uh, nod this year when we played the tough schedule. And yeah, we have some bad losses, and yeah, our, our record isn't historic. But they they look and say, okay, they did it without days on Ingram. They put they beat Notre Dame. They played a Xavier team that upset number one last night. You know, some teams are doing us some favors. We need to cheer against Vanderbilt. Um, at this point, I don't really know what we need to do with Florida. They may be playing their way out of the tournament and because they've still well, got to host Kentucky. They've got uh, they've got on the road at LSU. And I, I know we just dogged LSU for a minute, but LSU is – they still got Ben Simmons, and they're capable of beating Florida at home. So I, I don't really know who we need to pull for. I'm just pulling for Alabama to win these next three games, and then I think the tie's in. Well, and before Kerry has his thought, I was going to say it was two thousand, two thousand one, uh, when uh, it was it, it, it was the, it was the uh, spring of two thousand one when Alabama got passed over and went won twenty five games, went to the finals of the NIT, and then the, it, similar things happened in two thousand eleven, I believe, uh, Luke, because Alabama did not make it that year, and then uh, under Anthony Grant and went to the championship game of the NIT before losing uh, to Wichita State, and that right. Alabama team beat Georgia twice within a week, and including in the SEC tournament, and Georgia still went over Alabama. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to we need to exact some revenge on the dogs. Isn't it on weird Georgia. how it works out that we end up playing Georgia at, for maybe our own NCAA lives again? I mean, that's, that's kind of odd. Yeah, it really is. I, I see it a little bit different than y'all do. I see it more like Palm and the USA Today guys see it than I do. Y'all see it the way Lenardi sees it that we need to go 3-0. and But here's how I see it, guys. Uh, I think if Alabama wins the two home games, that they're in regardless. I think the win in Athens is going to keep Alabama out of Dayton. But I think if they go 2-1, and one, lose to Georgia, and even lose the first-round SC tournament, I think Alabama will still get to Dayton. Now, do I want to go to Dayton? Not really, but it is the NCAA tournament. So I think that Auburn and Arkansas are the key games. Georgia will be a gravy game that would help you avoid Dayton. And if you lose to Georgia and win at least one in Nashville, you might still avoid Dayton. Uh, Lenardi is, is saying that Alabama's got to go 3-0, and but I don't think that's the case. But, and let me see why I don't think that's the case. Vanderbilt, I think, is going to finish their regular season 1-2. and two. And I think they're going to lose to Kentucky, beat Tennessee, and lose at A&M. And well. so that will put Vanderbilt out unless they win the tournament. 
So I think Alabama Georgia is to avoid dating for Alabama. That's just well, my opinion, but Palm kind of agrees with me, and he knows a lot more about it than I do. Well, I, you know, I think Lenardi is the most accurate, though. That's the my, that's my word. Yeah. Go ahead, Luke. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's, it's it's kind of ironic too that I know we want the buy. We definitely want that. That I, I don't know if you call it a buy. How the SEC tournament set up, and I haven't studied it over, but. Since uh, I think it's Missouri is ineligible for the the tournament, aren't they? Uh, how are they doing the the tournament this year? I, I haven't even looked at the brackets yet. Six teams get a buy. Okay, six teams get a buy. So I wonder if that. I just hope that doesn't come back to haunt us. I, I don't want to be a team that plays somebody good and you know miss a round where we could get an easy win and then play somebody more difficult and lose that's what would bother me it would scare me if we go 2 and 0 in the home games lose mm-hmm. to georgia and then lose that first round that, that would yeah i mean that would be disaster that would be scary that would be disaster i think that's nit because if you think about it right now they're 16 and 11 you get the two home wins that's 18 11 you lose those other two games you're 18 and 13 and, and I have five top 50 wins. It, but still, it, and, it, and it's not like, and I know Vanderbilt could be out of the equation, but it's not like they're saying, okay, we gotta say we got to take a set number of teams from Bandy. you got to watch out what happens in these smaller conference tournaments, some of these big favorites, make sure they don't choke. And then you also have to, uh, to look at some of these other power leagues like the ACC and the Big 12. Texas Tech has had a surge. You better, you better hope they kind of fall back. And then uh, it's just and in the, even in the Pac-12. So you, you just have to kind of be careful. And, uh, and a lot of times they, don't, they say they don't look at the final ten games. But still, if, if Alabama, you know, dropping that game at Mississippi State – and and dropping the one at Kentucky, nobody's surprised about the Kentucky loss. But you don't want to to have another two game losing streak heading into postseason. You need to try to uh, you know if you if you either get all three of the, at the end of the regular season or get you know get a couple get those couple. If you do drop the game to Georgia, in my opinion, to feel good about yourself, you better win a couple in the SEC tournament. Or you're going to be real real nervous, even with the Dayton thing, because I just think overall, I do think the media loves Avery Johnson. And I do think that that plays in Alabama's favor, no question about it. Uh, but I really don't. I, I just you don't want to end up 18 and 13. I know Coach Godfrey uh, got Alabama in in 2003. I think they went 17 and 12. Uh, but still, I just think overall it would be. And the SEC is not as well respected as the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Big 12, and even the Pac-12 in some ways. So it, it's really more like thought to be the of the Power Five, probably fifth in basketball. So you just got to be careful. Well, that's the thing. Alabama's not going to have a chance to impress anybody with their quality of win, uh, you know, assuming they don't win the whole tournament. But they're not going to have a chance to beat uh, what's considered, quote-unquote, a quality opponent anymore. All they're going to be able to do is pile up victories. So uh, it's important to do just that. Alabama's got plenty of quality wins on their resume. So they don't really necessarily need any more quality wins. But you, now you need some quantity, and if it means just feasting on these lower-level squads, which is exactly what Alabama's going to have the chance to do, the schedule sets up as nicely as it possibly can. We just have to capitalize. And I think the Georgia team, if we get the Georgia team that, that showed up last night at, at Auburn, I think Alabama will beat the hell out of them. But, you know, that'll be Georgia's senior day, and so it's never easy to win that game, but it's a winnable game. I'll say this, if you can win in Gainesville, if you can win in Baton Rouge, and if even if you can win at Clemson, 
you can dang sure win in Athens, Georgia. Well, the only there, the only be road fifteen venue. people there. Yeah, you know, exactly. Athens isn't known for having the most raucous basketball crowd. So it it may be senior day, and I'm not even sure who's a senior on that team. That's going to be a big issue. But it's not going to be like senior day for Retino Basahan. I I believe that. I don't care that it is a Saturday. Yeah, I agree, Luke. I I think uh, overall they weren't – they were supposed to have a – they were thought to have a much better squad than this ended up. And, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see. I do think it's a winnable game. Besides the Rupp Arena road trip, though, I think this Alabama team has played their best basketball on the road. And I think if they get the two home games, then they – you know, after what happened against Mississippi State, you can't take anything for granted. Though I will say, if if Alabama doesn't beat this Auburn team, you know, I'm going to have – severe irritation because this yeah, is an really, Auburn team. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, I, if if I'm wrong, I'll eat my words. I think Alabama wins, I'm talking 15 to 20 points Saturday. I, I just I I, feel it coming. I think they're going to play extra well. day of rest, all that stuff. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think they're going to play well. Uh, no question about it. Well, Luke, we know you're busy, man. We know you're in, on the you know business in Houston. We could sit here and talk for another hour probably about basketball when uh, we all love the sport. Uh, and we're all excited about the future under Avery Johnson. And we know we'll have you on again soon, especially uh, with uh, with postseason basketball coming up and, of course, uh, the the state tournament. And the um, we look forward to seeing you there as well. I'm sure you'll be there. And, and we'll, we'll have you on again to get your observations from there and also uh, down the stretch when Alabama is hopefully going to add some pieces to the puzzle in the late signing period. We always appreciate the time. Thank you for taking a few minutes uh, to join us tonight on BAMS Radio, my friend. Hey, guys, I appreciate you asking me, and certainly I will see you at the HSA tournament next week. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, you guys are more into this than me. I brought this up briefly on Talking Tuscaloosa today. Uh, We cut that podcast this afternoon. And I I don't keep up with it. But I think it's – I would love to hear your insight. I'll listen to the show when I hang up about – the women's basketball team. I look, I don't. I've never really followed it. When we went to the Final Four, I mean, I was a fan. Whatever, Dominique Canty, all that stuff's great. But I'm, I'm looking now. Isn't it time for us to start getting better? Because we're three and eleven, I think. I think it's just time for us to start getting better. And every year when I go to this uh, AHSA tournament at the BJCC, and I watch some of the uh, female competitors that the state of Alabama has, like Shakela Thomas, who goes to um, – she goes to Florida State and she's killing it. And now I, I'm, I see all these girls that Alabama can't get. Um, there was a girl that went to Tennessee recently. You can go back to Marquez Webb, who ended up going to Vanderbilt, the daughter of uh, Marcus Webb, who played basketball at Alabama, and we can't get her on the team. I, I'm just ready for this team to pick it up. I don't, I don't expect SEC championships. I expect better than three and eleven every year, and I'll let you guys talk about it. Thanks again. Well, can I can I share something with you before you go, Luke? Sure. That really hurt them this year. Go ahead. The number yeah. one, the number one player on the team, Ashley Williams, uh, was uh, is sitting out for medical reasons. It's called pregnancy, and that oh, really wow. hurt them. That yeah. if Ashley yeah. Williams had been in that lineup, they'd have at least three or four more conference wins. And something else I'll add before we let you go, the referees absolutely screwed Alabama against Texas A&M at home, called one of the most bullcrap charge calls in the history of organized basketball to take that way a game away from those girls. 
So you take that and the fact of missing Ashley Williams uh, for quote unquote medical reasons. But yeah, it's medical, all right. But anyway, it, it hurt, and, and she still needs a little more time to get all her players in there. But they're they're better this year than they were last year. Well, and Luke, I'll say this: we won't get to see her. You saw her last year. They they've lost an unbeaten Viger team, but the best player in the state, the senior wise, is Sierra Johnson coming back from oh, yeah. Blunt. Uh, she she signed with Alabama. That was a huge get for Christy Curry, and oh, I met yeah. Coach Curry there last year. And and uh, she and uh, she uh, was that's why she was there. She was really turning up the heat on Sierra, uh, and uh, they got her and. And then uh, they also got a six-five center coming in from Austin, Texas, Ashley Knight, who's a very good player, and then another combo guard and a, more, more of a point, Jordan Lewis from Orlando, Florida. She's doing a good job, but like Carrie said, it did not help at all. And then the year before, uh, I, her name escapes me, but her best player, who was their leading scorer, who would have returned, transferred to Seton Hall uh, for her fifth That's year. That's the last so. second. Yeah, at the last second. She's had so. some tough breaks, but she's you know she's getting there. I, I think they'd have been a little better this year if Ashley Williams hadn't had to miss a year. But uh, again, uh, you know, I feel like they got the right person. Uh, it's just going to take well, some time. I'll, and... I'll take your Go word ahead, for it. I'll take your word for it. It's just one of those things where uh, the ancillary fan looks up and says, "Hey, why are we at the bottom of this thing every single every year?" year. I, I'm. I mean, it's just time to make a move. That's very fair. That's very fair. I mean, that is very fair. I mean, I, I didn't like to hire Wendell Hudson uh, when they when they brought in the when they brought in uh, uh, the, uh, the lady from uh, Middle Tennessee State, Stephanie. Um, I've forgotten her last name. Pardon me. Uh, but when they brought her in, I thought she would do a good job of coaching. She had a good resume, but unfortunately. She ended up being the Anthony Grant of women's basketball, <laughs> and she basically irritated every AAU coach in the Southeast and couldn't get any players. And when that happened, it set the program back so long. And they gave Wendell a chance because of who he is, and everybody knows what he meant to Alabama basketball historically. But Wendell wasn't a great basketball coach, but you know he he, he tried to he, he gave it his, a good shot. And I, I think this time Christy Curry. She came from Purdue and Texas Tech, and she'd been to the NCAA's, but she took it over, and uh, and it was at the bottom of the barrel. And she's and she, this is that this is actually her 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 second year at Alabama, and I think she's really um, I think she's setting a good tone. I think she you know last year. Well, I, excuse me, I guess it's her third year. It's hard to believe it's already her third year, but it really is her third year because she had a veteran group, and uh, they made some strides her first year. And then last year she did lose her best player right before the season, but I thought they improved by the end. And then this season she was really thought, thought it was going to be her best team, but, again, they were not counting on the Ashley Williams situation. And, and now she's – I think this coming uh, recruiting class she signed has been her best one, and I'm I'm glad they've been patient with her because with Alabama's women's program, that's the only thing that's ever going to work at this point. And uh, you know they do I I like what they did with Foster Auditorium, and hopefully eventually they're going to let them back in the bigger arena. But I still think uh, that if they continue to be patient, she's she's a worker, and I think she's going to turn it around. Where they're I, you know they're not going to win the SEC, but at least they're going to be competitive. Well, here's the other thing. She's been done no favors by the golf, men's and women's golf teams, the, the <laughs> oh, uh, too, softball yeah. team. All these other programs that are not at the forefront are winning championships. And so people look over her at, at her and say, now you're the one that's bringing up the tail in, in the entire athletic department. It's time to do something. 
So, uh, you know, I'm willing to be more patient. Hey, you guys have told me be more patient. I'm going to be more patient. Yeah, Luke, how much, Luke, do you need to run now, or can you let me tell you one more story? Stephanie Smith. Oh, yeah, go ahead, man. I'd, I'd like to hear it. Okay, well, this has nothing to do with women's basketball. This is to do with high school basketball and recruiting. And, you know, when Drew and I went down to the uh, Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game this past summer, we didn't see you. And then last night I went down there to scout a kid, and uh, I didn't see you. And I finally figured out why you don't fool with the, with the uh, Dunn Oliver Academy at Alabama State University, Luke. I figured oh, out why you don't fool It's why still my fix, is it? They, in the media room, they have granola bars, chips, and drinks. That's supposed to be your meal. Really? <laughs> Here, I hate to tell you this, brother, but I've been doing Wallace for seven years now. We have cookies, cheese, and crackers, bro. They don't really do a whole lot to, uh, at least in the hospitality room. At least next week it will be real food. But let me tell you <laughs> a little bit more about what happened to me. I'm going to get to the game in a minute, Luke. But yeah, And you may have seen this on my Facebook. If you did, just let the listeners hear it. Okay, so I parked on the street, and I went in this door I wasn't supposed to go in. Some cop let me go on the stairs, be on the floor, no big deal. So I went out the door I was supposed to go out. And to get to my car, I should have took a left. Well, I didn't know that. I took a right. And I thought, well, I'll come upon it eventually. I'll just walk around the building. Well, hell, every gate to that campus is locked, and I'm walking and walking and walking and walking. My old 57-year-old self in loafers is walking. Luke, I had to have walked two miles before I could get back on the campus and finally found my car. And by this time, I'm just starving because, you know, they had granola bars and, and crackers and, and chips and drinks. And I went to the Pratt Shoney's and ate the whole damn food bar. But <laughs> I'll tell you that to tell you this. The, the reason that I went down there, Luke, was to scout a player that I was worried wouldn't make it to Birmingham. Uh, he's one of the top juniors in the state. He's a six-seven two-guard. And he plays for Hale County uh, down there in Mountville. And uh, his name is Herb Jones. So let me let me read you his box score and get your thoughts on just the box score. And then I'll tell you what I really saw. Okay, Luke, he went 5 for 11 from the floor, 1 for 2 behind the arc, 5 for 6 at the line, 5 rebounds. Uh, he had 16 points, 1 assist, 1 turnover, 2 blocks, 2 steals, and played the entire game. How does that sound to you? Uh, okay. Okay, so he's averaging 17 and about eight assists coming in. He's a team guy. You know, he played varsity basketball in the final two years of the existence of Sunshine High, Anthony Bryant's old school. Well, they closed that down, so he had to go to Hale County, and this is his second year with them. Okay, so I'm in there, and, and Petway's there, and uh, Drew and I had the occasion to talk to Petway some weeks ago over at Spain Park while we were watching him play Mountain Brook. And we got, you know, he won't come out and say it, but you, you kind of get the impression, Luke, that the Alabama staff has Herb Jones, a six seven two guard, on their two-guard board ahead of Jamal Johnson, the six four son of Butt Johnson. And, and that's, you know, hey, I respect their opinion. They're, they're a hell of a lot better evaluators than me. That's why I want to see the guy play in person. So what did I see? I saw a guy that at times showed athletic brilliance, stole the ball at half court, went down and slammed over somebody and drew a foul and made the free throw in the first half. Wow. I think in the second half he had in the second half he had 
six points, two in the third and four in the fourth. And let me tell you why he had six points. They missed a couple of shots. Right now. He didn't. Luke, he's 6'7". There's nobody on midfield that can really guard him. And he doesn't demand the ball. He just kind of, you know, jogs around out there like a like an old Anthony Grant player. Not, you know, I'm not saying hopefully he don't get the ball, but he doesn't fight to get open and demand the ball like a 6'7 athletic stud should do. So after the game, I said something. I said, Pet, Petway. I said, Pet. I said, this guy's good. He's athletic. But Jamal, talking about Jamal Johnson, he wants the ball. And he just looks at me and he said exactly what I knew you would say, Luke. He said, yeah, this kid's 6'7". He's, he's, four, he's three inches taller than Jamal. And I'm thinking to myself, really? But, you know, look, the, the athleticism is there. He's got a nice little smooth stroke. It's almost like uh, if you're old enough to remember watching George Gervin play, he's that kind of player. But in the second half, he basically disappeared. Oh, if he had done anything, they'd be coming to Birmingham. But I went down there and, and, and enjoyed my time, quote-unquote, at the Acadome because I was worried they wouldn't make it here. So, yeah, we're probably uh, we're probably going to take him. Uh, and, and, you know, and, but I'll tell you what I told Pet as, as we were walking out. You know what? He's a great player athletically, and he's got some basketball skill, but uh, I, I love to call him. Lou Deneen, our strength coach, Luke. I love to call him Coach Ponytail. I said, Coach Ponytail is going to have his hands full instilling mental toughness in this kid. And, of course, Pat just looks at me and shakes his head like I'm an idiot, which I am. But, I mean, I wasn't the only one that felt that way. There was a guy sitting by me that, that was a little younger than Pat, used to play against Pat when they were younger. And he's now got friends on the Hell County team, and he agreed with me. He's like, man, why do you demand the ball? I said, you tell me you've been watching them all year. But – that's why we lost. And another interesting thing before we let you go, Luke, uh, he has a teammate uh, that's about a 6'6 inside player that's also a junior. It's not really a D1 guy, but he's a pretty solid player. Had 15 and nine boards. His name is Christopher Rollins. So I said to the guy sitting by me, is this guy the son of the Christopher Rollins that played at Bama like in 99, 2000? He's like, yep, yep, that's his son. So that was interesting to find that kind of thing out. Wow. That was my adventure in Montgomery last night. I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah, well, I've been gotta... to that canoe before. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting times, no doubt. Yeah, it is. And there might there might have been a thousand people there. And I, and, and and Luke, I will. I'm going to give you a little bit of my uh, perspective too. I've talked to Petway. I can tell Alabama is not as high on uh, Jamal Johnson. And I have seen Jamal. He is athletic, but I think he's a streak shooter. I don't think he's a great ball handler. Uh, I watched him against Mountain Brook get the ball taken from him many uh, several times. I know Kerry was there, too. He didn't handle their pressure very well. He didn't make shots at the start of the game. Now, he did warm up, and he finished with 20 points. But I'm not as high. Herb Jones, I knew, Herb Jones is playing 3A basketball at Hale County. I know right now that he's a little bit raw, and I'm not even surprised to hear that. But I think what the Alabama staff, and this staff, I believe, can do it, they can develop the kids. And no, I, think, I agree with that part. And I'll say this. I'll, I'm going to give you one more thing, Luke, before you go. And you follow this closely. When Alabama played Kentucky in Rupp Arena, they had eight recruits there that day. Jamal Johnson went to Ole Miss. You left out one thing about that Mount Brook game, though, Drew, that Jamal had a dunk that turned the game around, changed the momentum. 
Yeah, he had a dunk, but the the, the one that the one that really changed the momentum was the second half when you had five, seven for seven and five dunks out of Austin Wiley, who's the best player in the state as a junior. And unfortunately, unless something changes, is going to ruin his life and follow in the footsteps of his family who went to Auburn and uh, never win anything. But I mean, I wish he'd go to Duke where he could actually. <laughs> well, the be one year. I mean, that's just my opinion. I mean, I, well, yeah, he's I probably mean, gonna I be think, a one and done. No, yeah, he, he is. He's that good. I mean, he's he's a dominant. He's a dominant. He's an basketball. awesome player. Yeah, he's a he's a post that doesn't try to do anything but be a post, Luke. You don't even right. you almost never even see him shoot a foul line jumper, maybe one yeah. a game. But he stays down there in that he's paint. He's a great and player. Holds that paint. He is a great player, and he's every bit of six ten too. Yeah, he's he's a beast. He's Richard Hendricks, three inches taller. He's a beast. Yeah, he's a warrior. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you, man. Appreciate right, it, my guys, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Thank All you. Right. That's Luke Robinson, good friend of the show, pinch hitting for uh, uh, Mr. No Show himself, Patrick Walls. He's like George Jones. You know, <laughs> you schedule him all you want, and he might show up and he might not. But, well, uh, he, he had a legit reason, Kerry. I mean, he's an insurance agent, and he had several clients. They had a they had all the tornadoes blow through in the last several days, and many took on major damage to their homes. Luckily, none of his clients lost their lives, and uh, they just had heavy property damage. He had a lot to do today and had a lot on his plate. And it was taking longer than he anticipated. And he he wanted to be able to give us as much info as possible. So he'll be on with us in a couple of weeks because we're probably not going to have a program next week because of some extenuating circumstances with uh, a speaking engagement. But uh, overall, Patrick Walls will bring it. He'll be back on with us. But he, he just had some unfortunate circumstances, especially this week. And I can completely understand with what he does for a living. I mean, he's trying to help his clients uh, get over a traumatic time, a lot of a lot of damage, a lot of trees through houses and stuff like that. So you can kind of understand that situation. I do, and I didn't even think about that. I'm I'm, I'm sorry he couldn't make it. I'm sorry for his clients. And you know, we'll get Patrick on at some point, and uh, he'll share some good insights with us. Uh, I bet he's got some good Mark Gottfried stories he could share. But uh, anyway, uh, so that's where we are right now. Um, I wanted to ask you something before we take our break, though, Drew, and we'll go into this a little bit more after our uh, top-of-the-hour break. But uh, kind of give me the short version. You can make a rant out of this if you want to. That's up to you. But kind of give me the short version of your opinion of the uh, crap storm in Knoxville right now, Drew. Well, it's just the what Tennessee is reaping is the, the culture that they've established under the fat man who – left back in 2007. I mean, that program had been kind of a renegade program uh, for a long time, had a lot of issues in it, a lot of guys in it that weren't high character people. And, you know, and then they, they tried, they, you know, they didn't really, they, they've gone through many a head coach. Derek Dooley uh, ended up being, uh, you know, overmatched at the SEC level. He didn't do a very good job. Lane Kiffin, they hired him as a young head coach. He still didn't know what he was doing. He did a lot of damage in the one year he was there, bringing in some guys that weren't uh, maybe the, best, the the highest character guys, and and uh, setting a uh, you know a, a culture, uh, you know, not setting the right kind of culture, more uh, style than substance. Uh, and then, like I say, Derek Dooley came in. He wasn't able to get the job done. Bush Jones has been trying to clean it up, but in some ways. I don't know. It's it's a sad situation if you're a Tennessee fan because I think things are just going to continue to come out. And what you're doing is, you, you, I think for many a year when Roy Kramer was the commissioner of the SEC, 
they and Doug Dickey was their athletic director. They got away with murder, and then they had a lot of people covering up for them. And then it's kind of like you reap what you sow. And now they're still paying the piper now. And if this comes out, you know, Butch Jones, he's going to have on paper the top team in the East next year going into the season. But this could be all derailed because if the stories are true, and he did call Dre Bowles a traitor, and he did try to cover some things up, both he and Dave Hart are going to end up out on their butts. Okay? There's no doubt about it. And if it does happen, Tennessee football may never recover at least for the next in the next decade or so. Tennessee's already gone through close to a decade of mediocrity. There could be another one coming up if this all ends up being true because it's going to be a disaster. Uh, Peyton Manning is long gone. Uh, Steve, and even when uh, Phil Formal built Tennessee up to the point they were, they still couldn't get over the hump most years against uh, Steve Spurrier and the Florida Gators. Alabama's owned their butts nine years in a row. And now we've seen uh, Florida beat them, I believe, 11 in a row. They did finally end the five-year streak against Georgia, but I'm telling you, they can't afford much more of this because Tennessee's a proud program. But if they have any, if they have to start all over again and completely, you know, clean house in the athletic department, I'm telling you, Tennessee uh, may end up uh, uh, the, the winning streak. They, they, I know they're very confident they can end uh, and start a winning streak of their own against Alabama this next year in Knoxville. But you lose the game this year, and then if things continue to go south off the field, they could be looking at a at a a winning streak that may they may never see the end of for the tide if things don't change. And uh, there, despite having won the Southeastern Conference uh, women's regular season the last three years, uh, they have fallen a little bit there, a lot of bit there this year. And their fans are calling for their head coach's head, and they may be calling for it a little more. Although long way to go, but midway through the second quarter in Tuscaloosa. Alabama twenty, Tennessee fourteen. Well, yeah, and they were already, they were already missing Pat Summit. There's no doubt about that. She's been gone four years, and Holly Warlick is that was a thankless job. But the program's already starting to slip there. And I mean, uh, what you hope is, and it, it was hopefully an anomaly. It took you know since 1979 to happen, but you you hope that the the gymnastics program under Alabama doesn't uh, start to slip. Uh, now that Sarah Patterson's been out of there, I know this is the second year uh, for Dana Duckworth, but losing to Auburn was uh, disturbing, and hopefully uh, it'll just be an anomaly. We will see. I think Alabama's still got a very good program, still went to the national championships last year and won the SEC, uh, so you don't want to jump off the bridge here, but sometimes it's very hard to follow in the footsteps of a legend. Trust me, uh, I, I am not a Tennessee fan, but you had to respect Pat Summit and what she accomplished. She was a pioneer. Gino Oriema would not have been able to do what he did if it hadn't been for Pat Summit. Pat she Summit, was the top of women's athletics. No, she was, she was the John Wooden of women's basketball. She was the greatest of all time. I don't care what what uh, Gino Oriem has done. He's a great coach and one of the greats. But the greatest and the one that changed the game was Pat Summit. She was the greatest of all time. Oh, you're right. You're right. And uh, and, uh, it, and it took her away too soon. If, it, if the dementia had not happened, she was not through. I mean, she people forget she was only – she hadn't even turned 60 yet. She had some really good years left, and I think that's what's so sad that she was taken away from the game too soon. It is sad. And uh, on the gymnastics thing, I, I do agree with you. We've we got to hope it doesn't slip. But, you know, Drew, 
they, they, the rankings they do nationally are by your score, not by uh, your They're still, score. I think, third. I think they're fourth, yeah. they're fourth this week yeah. in the nation. So we're not not ready to jump that ship yet. They've had the tough loss at Auburn, and they had a tough loss at home as well. But uh, they're still fourth in the country. Softball's fourth. Uh, things are looking up in the in the athletic department right now. But we're going to go ahead and take our uh, one and only break of the evening. We'll be back with you in just a few. You're listening to BAMS Radio.
Welcome back to BAMS Radio, seven minutes after the hour if you're listening live, and we do thank you for joining us. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark of BAMAMAG.com, joined as always by Drew DeArmond of 977 ESPN The Zone in Huntsville, and from the Fort City of Mobile, he's with Touchdown Alabama Magazine. He's our producer. He's Thomas Watts, and uh, still a little less than three minutes to go in the first half in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, now on top twenty-four to sixteen. It'll be fun to uh, see if that thirty-something-year uh, streak can be broken in women's basketball, like the one in gymnastics was at Auburn a few weeks ago. But uh, Thomas, if you got a second, I wanted to bring you in real quick. Um, you are pretty much the Bams Radio legal expert, and Thomas. I wanted to uh, get your opinion on the uh, crap storm that's hitting the fan in Knoxville. Well, okay. The Peyton Manning thing is, I kind of feel like it's a tempest in a teapot. It's going to be a black mark, but it's being dredged up. I I think that that part's going to end up being thrown out of the Title IX investigation. But the Title IX investigation overall is scary. Like, I, I agree with Drew that the traitor comment, if it's proven that Butch Jones made that comment to uh, Dre, what's his name? He's gone. Bulls, thank you. He's gone. He's done. Um, Dave Hart is also done. And uh, sorry, I'm fairly I'm a little hot volume on. Let me turn that down. Um, anyway, um, I just I think you'll see if it's proven. If it's proven, and I'm not saying it has been. Well, that's why my mic went berserk. Here, I just turned it way down. Um, anyway, sorry about that, listeners. Um, I might have blown your intro. <laughs> You're good now. Yeah, yeah. My my mic. I've been doing a bunch of work on my computer, and uh, it goes ballistic sometimes. Anyway, um, back to my point. It's gonna. You're talking a total clean house. Like in today's society, there is. There's just no tolerance for it, and there shouldn't be. I'm not trying to say that rape is an okay thing, but it's just you can't let any vestiges of that culture stay around. And there's already been Title IX investigations that have forced large payouts. You only need to look at Jameis Winston and Baylor to see a couple of things like that and see if they can cost a lot of money. So if it's proven, Tennessee is in a world of hurt. Right now, it's, you know, fans of other fan bases are gleefully saying that Tennessee is something that they might not be, but it's just a black mark right this second, and it remains to be seen. Like, both A.J. Johnson and the other guy that are actually on trial for rape, that starts this summer, and that's really where you're going to see if this, if Bowles' contention that, uh, Butch Jones said that to him, holds any water, because if you lie under oath, if if Bowles was willing to perjure himself under oath, then, you know, that, that allegation's dead. But there's a, there's too much going on right now, and not enough stuff that's either not under seal, or hasn't happened yet, to really go one way or the other. It's it certainly, 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 you can say that it looks bad, and it's not going to go away. I mean, the trial, the 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 young men that are accused of rape, their trials start in the middle of the summer, and stuff's going to continue to come out then. And it's probably going to hold over Tennessee's head 
throughout the football season. And is that a distraction? Well, I can tell you that if you're preparing for a game against Alabama and your lawyer calls you in to prepare you for either a deposition or being called onto the witness stand, you bet your ass it's a distraction. And uh, Tennessee, right now in my mind, is the prohibitive favorite in the SEC East. Georgia has a shot. If Jim McElwain can find anything even a semblance of a quarterback, Florida has a shot. But, you know, that this could easily derail because of off-the-field stuff. It's not like we've never seen it happen before. So... Not not this specifically, but off-field distractions causing headaches. So it's bad, and it's not going to go away. That, I think that's my full legal opinion right now, but it remains to be seen. It could be Drew, anything else you want to add before we change topics? No, it just could be some dark days ahead uh, for Tennessee. And, and, before, and now that we're going to change topics uh, back to Alabama, uh, I thought the listeners might want to hear. We were going to have this conversation a couple of weeks ago, but uh, there, was a, there was so much going on around National Signing Day and, and uh, chasing the recruiting class. We had to cover that. Of course, we've been uh, following the, uh, the just the amazing run of this Alabama men's basketball program and now the start of baseball. But I wanted to replay a conversation I had uh, with uh, Will Lowry, the former Alabama defensive back. I brought him on. Uh, the day of the national championship game to get his take on the game that night. And then I brought him back uh, one month later. This conversation happened a couple of weeks ago. Wanted to get his take on winning the national championship and then the future of the Alabama program. And the biggest thing, too, is uh, he had a chance to work under Derek Ainsley uh, when he was a graduate assistant at GA at Alabama. And he was very uh, you know, outspoken on Twitter when Alabama officially brought D.A. back to Alabama about what a great job he would do. And I wanted him to give his take on that. And I know the listeners are excited about it. And with spring practice just you know, now, just a few weeks away here, two, two and a half, two, around two, two weeks, two and a half weeks away, I just wanted to replay this conversation. I think they'll enjoy it uh, with former Alabama defensive back Will Lowry. And, Will, how are you doing this afternoon, sir? Doing great, man. Appreciate y'all having me on. Been a couple weeks. Yeah, it has been, man. And uh, so, are they? Is Mardi Gras going to go off without a hitch, or is the weather wrecking havoc? <laughs> Rest assured, Mardi Gras is uh, <laughs> on in full force down here. Man. Yeah, I so, got you. Not it's gonna something keep... to see, man. Being from Birmingham, I didn't know much about it uh, until I got down here. But uh, man, they take it serious. It's uh, something going on every day for uh, for the duration of it. It seems like and. Uh, people just out in full force and some really awesome parades and floats and a uh, really cool thing to see, man. Definitely uh, something, uh, if you live in the state, it, it, it'd be something really cool to experience. And I believe uh, that uh, Mobile even, I think they were the ones that uh, started Mardi Gras, not the uh, not the state of, New, of Louisiana. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, that, that that's is something, uh, the history of it. Yeah, that is the history. Well, speaking of history, uh, you were able to uh, play at the University of Alabama and much better than most. Uh, you've experienced Derek Ainsley on a day-in, day-out basis. Uh, he's coming back to the University of Alabama to coach the secondary under Nick Saban and Jeremy Pruitt. And I know uh, you uh, quoted a tweet of mine and said that D.A. was the man and uh, he was a great fit at Alabama. Just talk about uh, your experiences with Coach Ainsley and what he may be bringing to the table for the Tide. Yeah, Coach Ansley uh, goes by D.A., or that's what we called him uh, when he was at Alabama. Just a great guy, man. All around really great guy. Uh, was a, a great player back in his day as well. Um, and 
you know, he's still young enough. He can really relate to the players. Uh, you know, just is still kind of in that age range where you have a lot in common, uh, and or at least certainly more so than, than you'll have in common with Coach Saban. But, um, you know, just a, a really awesome guy, man. He, he works his tail off, uh, does a great job of uh, acclimating to his environment, I guess you could say, or at least, you know, I, I can only speak to while he was at Alabama, but he just blended in so well, worked so well with the other staff members. Uh, certainly him and Coach Pruitt got on really well. I think he was a, a GA at the time or an assistant uh, DB coach at the time mm-hmm. uh, under Pruitt, uh, and, and they just worked really well together. And, uh, you know, he's just willing to do whatever it takes uh, to, to help the guys get better, to help them grasp the system. You know, if that's extra time in the film room with them after hours, if that's getting extra time in the weight room in there, pushing them to the limits to get their physicality up, you know, he, he, he's willing to do whatever it takes to, to push them to their limits and, and get them to their maximum uh, ability. And uh, certainly knows his stuff, is willing to learn at any point, but obviously is, is familiar with the system already. So uh, should blend in seamlessly with the staff and be a great guy to have around the program. And, of course, uh, being a native of uh, Tallahassee, Alabama, and, of course, played at Troy for uh, Larry Blakeney, started 40 straight games for them. Yep. As a true freshman, ran the back end pretty much from day one, and uh, it should be a really good recruiter as well on the trail. Yeah, man. He, he like I say, he just relates so well to the players, and uh, was doing it himself so recently uh, that you know you can he can just really get through to guys and and, uh, and tell them you know what all they're going to be uh, benefiting from by coming to Alabama, and certainly no uh, shortage on that list. But he'll do a really good job of communicating that. Uh, getting out in the state and, and uh, really selling the program. And uh, like I say, you know, been here before, uh, already got some ties into a lot of key areas uh, in recruiting and just in uh, coaching in general. So um, should should blend in seamlessly with, with the recruiting trail and uh, everything that that, that 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 entails. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just on all fronts, just a really, really good hire, really excited. Uh, he's going to be a great asset to have on our staff and, and uh, should do a really good job of helping develop these young guys. Yeah, and there's a lot of talent uh, back there in the secondary, as you know, Will. And, uh, you know, he had some, had like the Minka Fitzpatrick and the Ronnie Harrisons that he will be able to mold uh, and uh, help Nick Saban and Jeremy Pruitt continue the tradition and the standard defensively at Alabama. And, and of course, uh, we had you on the program on the day of the national championship. Uh, you predicted the Tide would win. Uh, you were correct in that assessment. Uh, it was a little bit different type of game than people anticipated. Uh, Clemson had a lot of offensive success, but you've had to face someone along the, uh, with, with the talent of like Deshaun Watson, and he's a different style. He's not the big and strong guy that Cam Newton is, but he's an electric talent, and uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind after seeing him that we, that could be the number one pick in the 2017 draft. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think that's a far-fetched, far-fetched statement at all. I mean, that guy – uh, really proved to be the real deal in that game. I mean, I really thought that uh, we'd be able to assert our will defensively on them. I thought that they'd make some big plays, but that overall we would, uh, you know, dominate in, in general and by the fourth quarter, um, you know, be able to uh, have, have control on the defensive side of the ball. But, uh, man, what an athlete. I mean, he did an unbelievable job throughout the game of making plays, making guys miss, just thinking it to that one guy that's open and, hitting the one spot, you know, that they've, he's got a seam and, um, you know, just doing whatever it took to help his team win the game, which I think speaks the most to him as a player and, and as a person and leader. I mean, 
um, just did a really good job, man. I, I was uh, really, uh, I mean, obviously as a fan, frustrated, but uh, at the same time impressed with his ability to keep coming back. I mean, he took some hard shots. Uh, early in the game, too, you know, caught one on the hip or the thigh, I think, early that you could tell kind of uh, affected him a little bit. But, man, just kept coming. Um, so it was, it was great to watch. Just an unbelievable game. You know, like you say, kind of unfolded uh, pretty wild game. I mean, you know, you, you couldn't have not enjoyed that game as a fan of either team or as, a, as indifferent. I mean, uh, just an awesome game, an awesome end of the, uh, to the season for college and, um, had a great ending to the pros last night, man. I'm just kind of starting to get depressed. It's been ball for a while. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of, of football, as you said, for several months. And uh, but the one thing that I can take away from it, you were part of some special teams at Alabama that were really good. Of course, reached the mountaintop. But of all of Coach Saban's teams that I've seen, I, I kind of felt like this was m- maybe the most well-rounded because uh, they didn't play as well defensively. They had all year, and the defense had had been the the unit on the football team. They struggled some against Clemson because of the talent level of Deshaun Watson and him uh, rising to the occasion. But the thing that struck me the most, the second half, Jake Coker uh, played exceptionally well after struggling somewhat in the first half, made big throw after big throw. And even if receivers are wide open, you still got to deliver the football. And uh, he did a great job of doing that. And then, of course, with special teams, Kenyon Drake stepping up. And I know you were a crucial part of that during your career. The special teams, what a job. I mean, uh, you got a blocked field goal by DJ Petway near the end of the half. Then you have Kenyon Drake, of course, now on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the kickoff return. Just one, And then, of course, the onside kick. What a gutty call uh, at that point in the football game. Yeah, it's like you say. They're just—they were really well-rounded this year. They seemed to be able to uh, pick each other up when the other uh, other unit on the team was uh, maybe not, uh, you know, filling into their uh, filling under the bill. I mean, they just did a really good job of playing together. And I think that's, uh, you know, Saban has spoken very highly uh, of of the team and and uh, how much he likes them and cares about them. You know, and I think that. Uh, it just kind of shows. I mean, they, the, the way that they pulled together and uh, were able to make the plays they needed to, to make to ultimately win uh, the, each game of the year after Ole Miss and, and then ultimately the championship was uh, really fun to watch. I mean, they, they were they were a special group. And, uh, man, what a, what a great team and a, and a great game to send them out on. I mean, it was just, you know, we, we don't get too many of those type of games uh, as, as Alabama fans. You know, we, we're used to more of the – grind out dominating and and you know when we have to just grind it out lsu type uh wins i mean you know 40 point games on both sides of the ball and and uh running up the score that much and that many yards and just kind of big plays and just you know back and forth like that is, is not something that we're accustomed to but uh, again credit to those guys for making the plays that they need to make to win i mean it's like you say you can point to uh, any any number of those big plays as the turning point, you know, uh, and, and one of the things you mentioned that I thought uh, the, the biggest play in the game was uh, when we had kind of uh, been stopped a few times, they had scored, we were down, and, and it was third and long again in our own territory, and uh, Jacob Coker just makes an unbelievable throw off of his back foot to hit, I think it was our Darius Stewart mm-hmm. down the sideline to, to really change the field of play and to get us a first down, get some points. That was just before I think we kicked the field goal and then got the onside kick, scored again. So that was really, the, to me, the turning point in the ball game. And uh, you really just can't say enough about him, man. Like you say, he really just came on throughout the year, uh, continued to improve, continued to establish more chemistry with his receivers, and 
get more comfortable in his role as the quarterback and the leader of the team uh, and made some huge, huge big-time plays uh, in the last two games in the, in the semifinal and in the final. I mean, uh, you know, on the biggest stage, he delivered the most, and, and that's what you want out of a leader. And, uh, you know, just really seems to be a guy that deserved it and worked really hard for it. So just a great story and a great ending for him at Alabama. Yeah, it really was, and it was especially, uh, I I thought O.J. Howard, of course, had a great football game and deserved the MVP. I thought it should have been co-MVPs with the way Jake threw the ball in the second half. And then, of course, as you know, the little things, uh, he was able to, uh, on that uh, third down play, get the the first down to move the chains and allow Alabama to uh, score the clinching touchdown uh, to go up two scores uh, with under a couple minutes left because you never felt comfortable with Clemson's offense on the field. No, you didn't. And to be honest with you, I'm just glad the game didn't go any longer because, <laughs> you know, at the pace they were going, man, we could not stop him. I mean, he's just a, a special talent. Uh, you know, kind of reminds of Mariota and his uh, running and passing ability and, and leadership at the same time as competitiveness. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> – I'm, I'm glad the game ended when it did. You know, they, they uh, got the win. and uh, But, you know, really fun to watch him. I mean, he's certainly going to be – uh, up there on on uh, on the draft board uh, come draft time. I mean, he's just you know in this day and age, the, the quarterback position is just so important. I mean, you know, if you even think that that a guy that has that kind of ability can develop into a, a franchise quarterback, I mean, you've got to take the risk on him. I mean, you just it's almost impossible to win in the NFL without somebody under center that has uh, that ability. So I certainly think that he'll be drafted extremely highly. Um, was was a lot of fun watching him in that ball game. I, I sure uh, won't be uh, sad if Alabama never sees him again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and finally, Will, uh, of course, you watch the game very critically. Uh, you do a, a very good job of analyzing things. Your thoughts just uh, uh, on uh, the 2016 season coming up, of course, a lot of it will have to do with the quarterback position, how it develops, uh, injury luck, and, of course, chemistry, which is – Something that uh, is just is something that a lot of people uh, don't re- you know take into account because it's so crucial uh, to continue to win championships and to contend every season. But your thoughts just briefly on the 2016 season coming up? Yeah, you know it's, it's going to be another interesting year. Uh, it, it's uh, one of the biggest factors, like you say, chemistry. Something that we've talked about uh, in shows past. You know, is um, just the, the ability to sustain. Uh, the level that you're playing at. And when you get to the level Alabama is, it is just so difficult. I mean, it's hard to put into words how difficult it is uh, to, to be defending national champions. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I forget the quote. It's something along the lines of, you know, anybody can win a championship. Anybody's motivated. Everybody wants to win a championship. But uh, what it takes to defend and be repeat and, and uh, to, to hold that title and to be – uh, to play at that level when the target is the, the biggest target is on your back, everybody's gunning for you. You get everybody's A game. Everybody circles you on the calendar. Everybody's talking about you. Everybody's trying to create the drama around you, trying to bring you down. You know, it, the world likes to see heroes fall. You know, they, they may not admit it, but uh, you know, Alabama's kind of the the hated program at this point because of all the success they've had. People are tired of it. Um, you know, so it's just extremely difficult to win at that level and, and, and when you're in that stage. So uh, this past year, you know, I think that uh, because we've been at that level for so long, I think that Saban has started to find ways uh, to get through to the team and to uh, really 
make a difference in, in their attitude and, and uh, getting them mentally where they need to be. Uh, that, that you know, and you saw that this year. I mean, uh, seeing these guys uh, come out like they did and gel and, and play for each other like they did was awesome to watch. And uh, you know, you just hope that uh, that uh, some of the guys that have, have been there for a couple years and you know know that it's not always like that can uh, kind of harness in the good things that it took and, and the good energy and the good uh, the good lessons uh, to to keep that mentality alive there and not to let the individuality seep in the. Uh, you know, kind of let the grind sink in on you and, and let it become an old, uh, you know, just kind of an old uh, an old work, almost a job. You know, you just really got to um, have some leaders step up and uh, keep that uh, atmosphere uh, in the team. So uh, hopefully they can do that. You know, it'll come. They'll develop identity over their, uh, over their offseason as they're working out, as they're going through offseason conditioning, and some of the new guys get integrated. So, uh, you know, it'd be sad. It'd be, it'd be uh, sad to see guys like Reggie Ragland pass on. But you know, that's just uh, the nature of the beast, and we're gonna have to have some other guys step up and uh, carry on the torch and, and uh, hopefully uh, continue this legacy that's going. Because you know, it's just uh, extremely, extremely special times right now. If you're a Crimson Tide fan, I mean, you just can't uh, cannot take these days for granted. So you know, it's just extremely. Uh, enjoyable to be a part of and, and to continue to watch it unfold. It's just, a, you know, it's almost a question of how long can it go. I mean, it's just a machine right now. So uh, only time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Will, we always appreciate the time. We look forward to maybe catching up with you uh, after spring practice to get some of your thoughts after some of the buzz you've heard. And what you've seen. That was former Alabama defensive back uh, Will Lowry uh, talking to Drew B. Armand on ESPN 977 The Zone in Huntsville a couple of weeks back. But uh, we are now going to go ahead and bring on our next guest on the Asian Rim Hotline. Uh, don't forget to check them out at AsianRim.com. And it's a very special guest because she's one of the co-founders of Asian Rim, uh, one of the most outstanding restaurants in the entire Birmingham area, located in the Colonnade just off Highway 280. Let's go ahead and welcome in Paige Hockman to BAMS Radio. Hello, Paige. Hey, Carrie. Hey, no time. How are how are you? Doing well, doing well. Pedro, let's get right to the uh, crunch of things. Um, you've been able to witness uh, in the last five or six days some pretty good baseball being played by your son and his team, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Just kind of share us your observations from this three-in-one start. Well, I'm extremely proud of our freshmen. Our first-year guys are just amazing, and they are just tearing the cover off the ball. I think Chandler Taylor tied uh, Georgie Salem and Mikey White's hit in one game record last night uh, with five hits in one game, and that was that was a school record. So we now have two players on the team with – that that are tied for that school record currently, and then the the defense was just you know they did a really good job on the defense. Our bullpen just put on a show last night, and it's just been a lot of fun. I mean, it's just been a great great start, and obviously the pressure was unbelievable Friday night with a sellout crowd, a crazy awesome wild student section um and you know just to have to win that game they had to win that first game in that stadium 
and against an all-American pitcher. You know, it was just amazing what they did. And, um, I mean, I'm just so proud of them. I can just keep going on and on and on about all the, the bright spots that we have on the team. Well, well Paige, uh, Drew, and uh, I can concur. Uh, I thought it was huge that they beat the first rounder, Swarren, um from uh, Maryland on the – uh, or if I, I hope I got that was close with his name. But anyway, I know he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, I thought it was huge to win the first game, of course. Uh, I have now seen the replay. I did not get a chance to watch the game in person or on ESPN3 or any of that, but I did see the catch Georgie made uh, in that game. It was tremendous. Uh, it'll be added to uh, the highlight reel. And it was good to see him last night uh, kind of get off the snot. I know he was probably a little frustrated not swinging the bat as well. or Really had some mm-hmm. tough luck, too. Hit some balls hard mm-hmm. uh, against Maryland. But finally got a, got some to fall in yesterday. Yeah, he was he was getting a little frustrated. But, you know, he as you said, he was definitely, you know, um, hitting the ball hard on the nose. And, it just was going, you know, right to their D over the weekend. And he, he couldn't vibrate over the weekend. And, but I did feel like, you know, once he had one to drop, that he would have another one to drop. And, and then I feel like he got robbed on one of his hits last night that should have been a triple down first baseline. And I think their first baseman was just literally standing on top of the base waiting for the ball to come to him. But anyway, that was just – that's just how the breaks go. Um he thank you very much. That was a great, great catch that he made. And as he was running to catch that ball, I, I typically, you know, I, you know, you, I've watched him so long. I can sort of tell, like, okay, if he can get that one. If he just, you know, puts the pedal to the metal, he can get that one. And as he was running after that one, I I, I was thinking, oh, he's going to try to get it. <laughs> I didn't think he could get it, and uh, he proved me wrong. So um, I was I was just going crazy when when he caught that ball. But um, you know, we had a lot of great plays. We had a a lot of the guys, you know, showing out out there. I was really proud of it. You know, Carrie asked me about uh, Davini getting in the game at catcher, and I I thought he's done a great job behind the plate as well um you know our our freshmen have just it's just not seemed to bother them playing in front of a big crowd and you know playing their first few college games you know a lot of times freshmen get freshman nerves and our guys just act like they've been you know doing it all along Kobe Vance has just been amazing Chandler Taylor's been amazing I saw where Kendall Rogers proclaimed that they are his new you know uh, man crushes or whatever for for freshman baseball players and I don't blame him really I mean they they're just really showing out for us. Better catch uh, the one Friday night or the one Mother's Day in Auburn, Georgie. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What? What was the better catch in your opinion, the one Friday night or the one Georgie made Mother's Day down in Auburn? Um, I think that. The one that he made in Auburn, just because of what it was, and it allowed us to um, win, <laughs> I, th- I do think that was a game saver. And I do think that he had more hang time flying through the air on that one. But the one that he caught Friday night, it, it it's nobody had a really good 
viewpoint on that, except for the student section. I think had, had we all been able to see that from the side, I think it would have looked a lot like the one in Auburn. And, and you know, he had to go get stitched up after, he you know, he had to play the rest of the game and then go get four stitches after the game was over in his elbow. So he got uh, cut pretty pretty badly making that catch. I don't know, though. That's a – Georgie's best catch of all time is um, the one to me that he did the backflip uh, in, in Georgia his freshman year that was um, ESPN top ten. I think it was the – I think it was number three on the play of the day. That that was the best catch he's ever made in college baseball. And I think you can see that on YouTube if you just Google it and look for it. But um, I guess Auburn would have to be second and then – the one that he made the other night, I guess it would have to be third, but they were that those really are close. Number two and three are really, really close. And Paige, I've got to say, I have been super impressed as well. Uh, I saw, I didn't, of course, see the game last night either, but of course, I kept up with it. And I did see where Chandler Taylor got five hits to tie the record. And, and uh, he's been tremendous early. I mean, uh, I was joking with someone because of my memory, but when I was a student at Alabama, was during the uh, the hot time and the the best era of uh, Jim Wells' tenure, which was his first five or six years. And uh, they, I remember my favorite all time player in the history of the program is Jeremy Brown, and he hit a home run his first at bat in Houston. Ah. I had to listen to that one on the radio, and uh, they ended up uh, losing two out of three to that team. But Houston was a very good team, and they had a they it, it still set the tone for a great year and a great career for Jeremy. And I think Chandler Taylor sounds as though he's got the same kind of talent. And for Alabama, that would that would be huge. And what Kobe Vance has done, because when you lose guys like Mikey White and Overstreet and Casey Houston, you got to find production somewhere. And to get it so mm-hmm. far uh, from two freshmen is huge. And then I was going to ask you too another one that I've been impressed with so far. And I was hoping uh, that he would uh, get off to a quick start, but of course, his transfer Connor Short. Oh, yeah. And, well, you know, Connor had to sit out a whole year. So he has been chomping at the bit to get back in the game, um, you know, transferring from Auburn. But he had a really good night last night, and he's coming on really strong. I mean, I I think that um, the coaches are very pleased with Connor Short's play at third base. And as the lineup seems to be kind of shaping up, it, it – it's looking more and more like Chance Vincent's going to be over on first base and Connor is going to be over on third base with Chandler Avant being shortstop and then Kobe Vance playing second base. That seems to be working pretty well. And then obviously having Cody Henry DHing in the uh, cleanup position, you know, with his, you know, strong bat, um, that, that seems like that's, especially on infield play anyway. Uh, the catcher position, you know, Will Haney is still going to be starting back there, you know, and that that's going to come down to a bit of a hitting battle between Haney and um, Davini back behind the plate for, you know, who's, who's swinging the bat, you know, because both of them are really, really good catchers. And, uh, Paige, I wanted to add one more thing. Another, another thing that I took from the game last night that, I enjoyed uh, just from following it on Twitter and then reading the notes. And it was his second time leading off, but 
uh, and we tell you, we I know you talked about him. Uh, you thought he could make an impact, but I really like what uh, Keith Holcomb got done last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, you know, um, the strength coach was there. His name's leaving me right now. The um, the football strength coach. Uh, uh, Cochran, know, Coach know. Cochran. Yeah, Coach Cochran was there last night, screaming his head off at Keith Holcomb uh, every time he came up to batting. Nice. You know, he was like, I didn't come out here to watch you do nothing. You better do something. <laughs> so, I mean, it, uh, I mean, you could hear him all over that whole entire stadium. So that was actually pretty entertaining. And, and Keith did have a great night, you know, uh, to have not seen, you know, live pitching very much, you know, in quite a while. Keith is is coming on strong and he's coming on quickly and he is extremely fast you know getting down to first base and he he really you know I think that he seems really comfortable in that that leadoff role batting first and they may try that again this weekend um but see he did well there I think he scored twice I know he had two pretty good hits and he's got really quick bat speed, which is, you know, amazing, um, especially with him not having a fall season to play and just coming from football. I mean, he's just doing tremendously well. I mean, if he keeps improving like he's improving, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with by his junior year. Paige, speaking of that, and, and you know, he also had to sit out a year, and he's kind of shaking the rust off now talking about Holcomb, but you know, we've signed Walker McClinney, who's the younger brother of softball All-American Haley McClinney. Walker's a center fielder. But my understanding is that next year that Holcomb pushed to step in at center when George leaves. Yeah, I, I think Keith will be the center fielder. Um, but now, let me say this. I have not watched Keith make any – he hasn't had very many balls come to him in left field yet. And other than just seeing a few routine fly balls come to him and, um, you know, the spring scrimmage games, I, I haven't – nothing has gone to Keith yet for us to be able to look at him and, and say – and he would tell you that too, that, that there's not been a ball that's come to him yet that's allowed him to show what he can do, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, we're looking for that – leaping catch at the fence or maybe that diving catch. I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to see them go after those balls. And I think that, you know, I can't even really speak to him as far as the the level of player he is in the outfield. I'm sure he's probably incredible. But as far as what we've been able to see so far, the, you know, the, the offense hasn't hit him anything that – has allowed us to really see what he can can do. I'm looking forward to him putting on a show out there. And if he puts on a show in left field, then, of course, he is definitely going to be the starting center fielder next year. Well, politics is all the rage right now, the Republican debate going on and that kind of thing. And I understand that uh, you would like to make the first-ever BAMS radio political endorsement <laughs> Yeah, and well, this is this would be for um, a good friend of mine, Jana Garner. And if you happen to live in uh, Hale County, Bibb County, Perry, 
Dallas, or uh, Wilcox County, and you are voting on this coming Tuesday, then by all means cast your vote for Jana Russell Garner for um, circuit judge in the Fourth Circuit down there. Uh, she just uh, would make a, a wonderful judge and would make everybody that lives in that area down there really proud to have her hold that uh, position of honor. And um, anyway, I just wanted to say hello to her and if she is listening and also just to ask the voters down there uh, to vote for her. And she is a big Alabama fan, by the way. So um, if you're if you're voting for Alabama fans, <laughs> vote, vote for Janet. She'll make a great judge, too. And thank you for letting me... Uh, uh, do that, Carrie. I appreciate that. Well, it deserves a hug. <laughs> Drew, you got anything else? Uh, well, I just wanted to ask uh, Paige now. I mean, the one thing baseball-wise that I'm looking forward to, I hope to see a game soon in the new Joe, but I know uh, the schedule is challenging. And uh, I like the way they handled Nichols last night. I thought, you know, especially offensively. Now I, I wanted to know what, you know, her thoughts and maybe the team. Uh, they have a tough challenge coming up with North Dakota. I know it's North Dakota, but they, they beat Southern California two out of three. And the left-hander uh, that's going to start, Paige, on Friday night, he shut out Southern Cal on three hits. So it's going to be a formidable challenge. Uh, what are your thoughts on what's coming up? Because uh, I know that uh, they've got a tough schedule, and I know you'll probably get a chance to also travel to carry North Carolina coming up when they take on Notre Dame and NC State and teams of that ilk. But should be some fun baseball coming up. I, I think what's going to happen is that the, these, the good thing about the freshmen on our team right now, they are not playing scared. They knew that was a – you know, preseason college player of the year, all-American pitcher on Friday night in their first college game. And they didn't really let it phase them. And playing in front of that crowd and all of their peers in Tuscaloosa, I think that we have a lot to look forward to as far as getting W's um, and with home games in particular. And I think if we can do well, uh, I, I mean, since we did well as well as we did against Maryland and that pitcher in particular, that there's just no stop in this group, especially for home games. And I think the more confidence that they get, and if we can get through this weekend and come away with another series win, that we will just have tremendous momentum going to play on the road and to win on the road. And uh, that's that's just my honest opinion about it. They don't they're not playing scared. They're not hitting they're not taking their bats like they're scared. I mean, they're attacking the ball and you, you know, you, you see a lot of nerves usually with younger ones and you just don't see it with these uh this freshman group. And then it's almost like our old got I think we're going to surprise a lot of people this year. I mean, I saw the field of 64, the predicted field of 64, which made my blood pressure go through the roof because <laughs> Alabama wasn't on there. Um, so I hope that they they show everybody what they've got. And if our pitching staff, uh, which they seem to be really gelled right now, and Nick Eichholz is just – he just yeah. put on a show – and mm -hmm. um, it's he's already been drafted once, so yes, they're there. There, there was probably 
25, 30 scouts there looking at he and Thomas Burroughs this past weekend and Jeffrey Bramlett. But uh, Ike Colts, is, he's garnering a lot of attention. And if our bullpen can keep it up and our freshmen can keep playing like they don't even know that they're freshmen, we're gonna, I think we're going to do something special this year. And I, I'm excited for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Zach Muckingham was the guy I was referring to. And I, I'm looking forward to them uh, getting back to – it used to be that Alabama always did well against uh, the higher-rated pitchers. I remember David Price was battered when he came to Coleman and – or excuse me, to uh, the old Joe. And and I'm just looking forward to it as well. I, I'm I'm optimistic. I, you know, I, I've been critical of Mitch and the staff in the, in the past, but I, they are good guys. They are Bama guys to the core. And they've, uh, you know, needed this new facility and – they're going to get a, another shot to try to turn this thing around, and you hope they do. And it does look like that they have uh, brought in some impact recruits, and so far so good on the mound. And hopefully the uh, offense will continue to round into place, and they can have a good year and and get back to postseason play and win. And uh, hopefully that that's what I think that's what everyone wants. And we always appreciate Paige your uh, unique uh just uh observations and my, and uh and just thoughts because as a parent you've seen it all from you've seen it, the games but you also know kind of what's going on behind the scenes and it's always a unique perspective and we thank you for uh, bringing that to us tonight oh well it's my pleasure and i really do appreciate you guys for doing what you do and promoting alabama sports and what have well, you thank you well we're also promoting the asian rim because they sponsor this hotline so tell our listeners before you go uh, what they can do to get some reservations at Asian Rim. Um, we'd love to have you guys at Asian Rim. We're open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. We have a special lunch lunch menu that we offer uh, during the weekdays, happy hours from 3 to 6, uh, Monday through Friday, dollar sushis on Monday. Um, we have half-off all wines on Thursdays. And uh, we're about to start doing something new on Tuesdays and Thursdays called Takeout Tuesdays and Thursdays where if you order more than $30 worth of food to go and you're picking it up, you can get $10 off your order every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, and that is from 3.30 until 7 o'clock. And you can do that by calling 205-490-1444, Or come dine in with us. We'd love to see you. Thank you, Paige. Thank you for being All with right, us. Roll Tide, guys. Hotman. Roll Tide, Paige. Paige Hotman, co-owner of Asian Rim, uh, the sponsors of Asian Rim Hotline, and mom of Georgie Salem, Alabama starting center fielder. And uh, joining us next on the Asian Rim Hotline, I'm sure he has some uh, riveting questions for us tonight, is our good friend from Greenville, Alabama, representing the 334 area code, Colin Big Steve McGuire. Welcome to Fans Radio. All right. Um, so that was Georgie Salem's mama on the phone just now. Oh yeah. Okay, I, I I sort of know who she is. I don't know her, but I know who she, I know where she's from originally. She's from Arab, Alabama. Uh, but anyway, and I know her ex-husband George, and I yep. met her son a long time ago uh, when he was a young fellow. But anyway, uh, small world as they say. But um. Sounds like to me the baseball team started out pretty good uh, with uh, the win over was it Sacramento, no, Maryland, the league up on. Yeah, they, uh, they played another team in the state, and they had a they had an edge over them. Uh, 
sort of funny about them. But anyway, yeah. yeah. What was you going to say, Drew? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I just said, yeah, they, they did a good job against Maryland, who should be a regional team and is in, you know, the Big Ten. And John Shelf has got them the back-to-back super regional appearances. And they are a rising program. And in Alabama, you know, they they needed to get off to a good start. And because let's, well, the elephant in the room, you know, and you don't want to say too much because, you know, and, and Paige is a parent and she's in a unique situation. But the, the elephant in the room – uh, no pun intended for Alabama, is Mitch Gaspard's future. Uh, we all know he needs to win. In my opinion, he needs to re- reach a regional and win in the postseason, not just get there. They need to win. Uh, they you know, they had a chance to win a regional two years ago at Florida State, did a great job eliminating the Seminoles, uh, and, just were, and just ran out of gas in the final game of the postseason. But now, you know, they and then last year they were, many thought they were a top 20 program, and uh, had a chance to do some damage uh, in the postseason. They did not get it done. They didn't get to a regional, though. They did make a, a good run late. They got to the – I think they were one of the final four teams left in the SEC tournament. Uh, they did do a good job. They won a couple games in it, uh, which is the tough, one of the – it's tougher than any regional, really. Uh, but they just really need to get back to postseason play and do some damage because they've got a $42 million stadium now. Uh, I, and I, it, the thing you're going to run into, there's always going to be people talking about the lottery situation, and it does stink, and it does give certain teams an advantage, but you can still win games. Uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State have been very competitive because they upgraded their facilities and committed to the sport. Well, now Alabama has, so now you've got to – you got to win, uh, and, and as I said, you know I've been critical of Andy Phillips. I'm still not sure how good a hitting coach he is, uh, but maybe now with this facility, they're going to get better players. Uh, and then, and with Mitch Gaspard, he spent most of his professional career as an assistant and as a head coach at Alabama. It, the program means a lot to him. He's a great guy. There's nobody's ever going to tell you Mitch Gaspard's not a first class individual. Uh, hopefully, they can turn this thing around. And I do think Dax Norris is a pretty solid pitching coach. My my. Uh, Big beef has always been kind of with the recruiting and the player development and the hitting, but maybe it's going to turn around. We'll see. It needs to. Otherwise, with all the money awash in the athletic department, there's going to be a change. But Mitch Gaspard deserved a chance after all he's uh, been through, in my opinion. If they weren't going to make a change two years ago and they didn't, uh, if you're going to let him stick around, uh, then, you know, he deserved – last year was tough because they were, you know, on the road a lot. I, I still think they should have had a better squad, but you do have to kind of take that into account. And if you're going to let him stay and uh, build this stadium, you need to let him at least coach in it and see what he can do. And, and I think that – so, I, you know, I think uh, he deserved this season. But I, bottom line is they've got to win and got to win uh, in the postseason for him to stick around. And if they do, then he's going to be here, and hopefully he can get the program rolling in the right direction. If not – with this new facility and uh, the commitment of the athletic department to try to win games, I think you'll be able to get a great coach. So either way, I think it's a no, it's a no lose situation for Alabama. Well, Big C, let's talk a little football here. Uh, the right. NFL Combine has started in Indianapolis, and they did the bench yep. press today for the running backs. And Derek Henry did 22 reps of 225, and uh, Kenyon Drake did 10. So uh, Derek wow. Henry. It's some uh Tim's not awful, but it's also not great. Uh we had a, a fullback go up there about fifteen years ago and do zero, so uh Tim's not horrible. Uh twenty two reps of two twenty five for Derrick Henry. What do you think about that, Big C? I think that's good. Uh, it's really good. And um you know, uh I was listening to a show earlier today and they were talking about they said he weighs two hundred and forty seven pounds, but you know, 
every time I remember him getting past the linebackers, I don't know if anybody – I don't remember anybody uh, uh, running him down from behind. Once he got an open field, he was gone. I mean, do you ever reckon let him be uh, – Brought down from behind Everett, Alabama, when he got in the open field. I mean, he scored a lot of yeah. long runs, uh, like 74 to 65 against Mississippi State. And uh, he was, I guess you could say, like a home run hitter as a running back up there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, you know, some of them think on the plus I'm on the running back position for some reason in the NFL's not that glamorous a position anymore. I don't know if there's there's a they want to run them like they used to because of the pounding or for something but to know their life uh in the NFL the running back is not you last five years in the NFL you're doing pretty good. But I don't know, it wouldn't be surprised to see him last more than five years up there come back in ranking. Well, it's interesting, Big C, because I just had a Twitter uh, banter back and forth with someone out of Indianapolis who said he was wary of Derrick Henry because Nick Saban was wearing out his running backs like he always did uh, throughout his uh, his tenure, and uh, which is a, a extremely erroneous statement. As I told mm-hmm. the, gentle, the gentleman, uh, I said, this was the only year really in Saban's tenure they didn't run a two-back system, and and one, many of the reasons, and one of the big reasons why they didn't is the injury situation throughout the year with Kenyon Drake. And then mm-hmm. what this gentleman doesn't know, because he only is looking at, at stats and, and number of carries, and then he tried to say that none of the Alabama running backs had done anything in the NFL, uh, which is completely erroneous. Uh, I, he, he said basically that Ingram and Richardson hadn't been what they needed to be, and I corrected him by saying that, first of all, Ingram has been to two Pro Bowls, and, and second of all, is on his second contract. And third of all, Eddie Lacy had two strong years before uh, this season when letting his weight get the best of him. He'd also uh, been voted top 100 twice uh, by his, the own, his own players in the NFL. Uh, but I, I said basically the only one that's, that really hasn't lived up to it is Trent Richardson. He, he, kind of, yeah. he was already including Derrick Henry in that argument. And when you look at it, Henry only was a feature back at Alabama for one year, so he did get a ton of touches this year, but overall his body is still not that beat up. And Derrick Henry's a different breed of guy. Uh, like I tried to tell this gentleman, uh, I know he took on a lot of carries, but he was extremely durable when he did do it. And the thing is, as I told him, when you watch him, and I said he's going to blow the combine up. He did 22 reps on the bench. I predict he runs in the four fives. May, you know, I don't know if he'll get a full, he'll run a four four, but I bet he runs in the four fives. And it, one thing that is absolutely is not debatable is when Derrick Henry breaks in the open field, you're not going to catch him. He's it's kind of like when they tried to complain about Jerry Rice not having good enough speed. Yeah, football speed. When you break away, you're gone. And the thing is, he was trying to say that Derrick Henry had taken too many licks and. I disagree with that. I know he was just uh, – this year was was uh, the featured back, but he's one of these guys. He needs to go to the right fit offensively, and hopefully, uh, unlike well, one thing Trent went through, he didn't handle his weight well and didn't – I think he had too much going on off the field, and he's admitted that to Gary Harris recently. But Trent, another thing Trent never had the, the, uh, the fortune of doing is in Cleveland it was a crap offensive line, and in Indianapolis it was a crap offensive line. And so I'm hoping for Derek's case he can go to a team with a pretty good O line 
and a decent quarterback. If he does, he'll do a good job because he has better vision than Trent. And as I told this gentleman, he's he's got more wiggle than you think. And, again, he doesn't get caught from behind. He can catch the football. I think overall, Derek may not go in the first round. He should, but he, he may not. But if he goes early in the second, I still think somebody's going to get a steal. Uh, you know, Lacey went in the bottom of the second round, but it was the best thing that happened to him because he went to a good team. Yeah, and until this year, he was doing real well. Yeah, I remember that. Who was they were playing in the playoffs? He made a long run, and they—I mean, it was wild that he—you tell he like he was having a hard time. He was get—he was going downfield, but you can tell like he was. He was hard. He was having a hard time moving downfield, but somehow yeah. he made it, making a sixty-yard run in that. It was in the playoffs. I can't remember who it was. It yeah, it was, it was. It was in the playoffs. It was yeah. it was in the playoffs, and it was. He looked like he looked like he had a piano on his back. There's no doubt about it. And uh, yeah. they they uh, he they you know. But again, I still think uh, Eddie, if he can get his weight under control, he's going to get a big payday. And uh, you know, I just I I, I get kind of tired of these NFL people trying to say most of these Alabama guys are busts. They uh, if you if you say that, you, it's just like Mark Barron. He got moved to linebacker by the. By the uh, by, the St. Louis Rams, he had 117 tackles last year. You can't keep saying these guys are bust when they're getting second contracts. Okay, now the people that say that have an agenda and don't like Alabama, but that's okay because, uh, as I've said before on this show, I like being the Darth Vader of the sport. I like crushing people. I think it's. <laughs> All right, let's see. We got time for one more question. Um. Oh gosh. Um. Um. Oh, the basketball team. How do you think they'll do Saturday night over in, uh, against Auburn for the uh, presentation of the trophy again? Because I know they sort of going through a little skid right now. I think they'll win. Oh, they're going to win, Big C. They're going to step it up this time. It's very important. It's do or die. Uh, they've got to win these next two home games. They really need to finish this season strong. They've They've still got a chance as far as they've come, and, can still leave a, a, a lasting legacy with a lot of Alabama fans if they can somehow reach March Madness. And I think they're going to come out and, uh, and play hard. And, I, you know, the last time they played Kentucky and got blasted, they came back pretty strong, and I think they will again. Well, the main thing is beat those Yahoo's from East Alabama. Uh, oh, yeah. But, um, I think they will. Yeah. We uh, appreciate you calling, Big C. Hey, I'll come I'll get with you tomorrow. Thank you, all All right, man. All Abdel, well, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, I, I do wanted to say that uh, at the end of the third quarter, an upset is brewing in Foster Auditorium. It's Alabama 37, Tennessee 29. Uh, that could be huge. It's been over 30 years since Alabama beat Tennessee in women's basketball. And another game I'm following because it's going to determine who I cover next week uh, in overtime, Central Phoenix City and football recruit Markel Benton uh, have a – 57-55 lead over Lee Montgomery and football recruit uh, Henry Ruggs. And I'll be bringing you some basketball coverage on somebody that we're recruiting in football when they play Jamal Johnson in Spring Park next Thursday afternoon at the BJCC. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up now. Another great edition of BAMS Radio. Take the big seat. The big Hotman. The big Robinson. The calling on the ACM hotline. For Drew DeArmond of ESPN 97 Zone and for Thomas Watts Touchdown Alabama Magazine. I'm your co-host, Gary Clark, of PamelMag.com and Scout.com. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Thank you for listening to Pam's Radio. Good night and roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs>